All right. Take 115 to make the world better. <laughs> well, in this attempt at making the world better, we're going to talk about hybrid work in this episode again, but we're going to talk about what's missing in that conversation because I think there's quite a bit that is, and we've been down this road for quite a while now, uh, and it deserves some more attention. Yeah, and Ben, I've missed you. I mean, we're doing <laughs> client work, but I've missed doing podcasts with you because we've been so busy you know, with client work, and then you're doing a really big, awesome project with the Navy. It's, man, it feels weird when we don't podcast weekly. Yeah, we've had a, a few weeks where we were a little bit sporadic, but we're going to try to get back on on the uh, the wagon, so to speak, and, and get back into a regular cadence as best we can. So here we go. Welcome to the Indigo Podcast, an exploration of human flourishing at work and beyond. I'm Ben Barron of Indigo Anchor and Cleveland State University. And I'm Chris Everett of Indigo Anchor. For more information, please visit us at www.indigopodcast.com. All right, this stuff is all over LinkedIn. It's all over the social media. It's in the HR groups that I'm a member of. And it's, I, I feel like something... In the, at least in the American psyche, I don't know what's going on with this conversation overseas. It might be the same. That there's like, we love fantasy, mm. right? We like fantasy stories. Lord of the Rings. Of course, none of our daily jobs is taking a ring and throwing in a flaming volcano called Mordor or whatever, right? That's, it'd be cool. So, if what's it was, the fantasy? Maybe. So, what's the fantasy with regard to hybrid work? What do you think? Well, so the fantasy is that there's some fake, giant clash of powers the evil evil management corporatism capitalists get your rears it back into the office <laughs> and everybody like no you can't pick on me you big bully corporation i have rights and choice and you know i mean there is some of that i mean there have been labor struggles in our history right for sure but but i don't know there are individuals, and I don't know. It's what was the one I saw the other day? It's like I can't wait to microwave my fish in the oven at work. So please call us back into the office. Like only those <laughs> kinds of the people that eat funyuns in a cubicle and like stink up the place. Like they're the only ones that want to come back to work. Surely, <laughs> but all this, all this is playing into this fantasy story in our mind of what the world of work looks like. Right. I don't see these conversations going. Did you know 32% of people? And then sometimes when they do cite something, you look at the sample size. It was just like the, the like 300 people. Yeah. yeah. And, and not even as indicative of the right, population. Right. Like it wasn't a real survey guys. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about hybrid work again, but we're going to talk about what's missing in the conversation. And we're going to talk about this phenomenon of hybrid work and kind of this unfolding conversation here today. We're going to talk about some, what, some of the critical considerations that we think people should have uh, and some of those considerations that are missing. And we'll, of course, talk about some implications for people, leaders, and organizations. So maybe let's start with this first piece, which is this phenomenon of hybrid work and the unfolding conversation. And like you said, this is something that's just kind of out there and has been a big topic, and people like to opine on it. They like to fantasize about this being indicative of something bigger. Now, I think it is probably a fairly big trend, right? A lot more people working in a hybrid or remote type of fashion with the onset of the COVID pandemic. 
And now that they realize that this is possible, both kind of from the organization side and from the worker side, they're like, hey, you know, well, this is probably something that'll stick around for a little bit. But as we've talked about in previous episodes too, there's a lot of uh, a lot of people who don't fall into that category, right? You can't deliver the Amazon Prime stuff that we're all, you know, addicted to remotely. Yeah, uh, there like we have had a, rec- <laughs> a, a reckoning with like the real essential workers out there, and you know you can't do uh, you know you could do some telemedicine, but you can't do certain types of medicine remotely. So. Um, I think you have to take all of this with a grain of salt. And I even see academics getting caught up sometimes in the, uh, the, the, I guess just the, I don't know, the zeitgeist of whatever people are kind of talking about. And we'll sometimes even jump on the bandwagon of stuff that's not evidence-based yet. So, you know, this hybrid work has been a topic for decades. We, Forever. This is not, we've not, Forever. We, this is not a new thing really. Um, so, you know, there's that, uh, but, you know, what are we actually talking about here when we're talking about hybrid work? Yeah. So there's like hybrid work. There's flexible work. Ben, keep going, dude. Let's unpack yeah. this stuff. So, uh, you know, one way to think about this is that hybrid work uh, refers to, you know, the flexible work arrangements that we all have, right, in terms of hours, you know, so when you can work as well as uh, where you work, right? So, you know, companies can can certainly kind of fall anywhere in that spectrum of being flexible in the scheduling as well as being flexible or not with regard to where you work. And, you know, I think it's it's really important for us to realize that it's not just a, a one or the other type of situation. Um, organizations of all types kind of fall in between these two extremes of, you know, strictly being in the office versus having something that's more flexible. Now, certainly this has all been accelerated by technology. You know, we we wouldn't be able to do this very well if we didn't have uh, the types of communication devices that we have and so forth and the ways that we collaborate. Uh, the pandemic, right? You could, it's a lot easier to socially distance if you're not all in the same spot. Um, Before and, the internet, this could not even be a dream. Well, yeah. So, well, kind for, of, for most right. stuff. For, for most things, right? I, I suppose you could probably get people together and shout at each other across the field and say, here's what we're going to do today, everybody. Now go back to your places and do it and come back and yet we'll yell about it later. Um, but, you know, you're right. But you'd so. see bookkeepers do it, right? So yeah. they'd come by, or accountants, they'd come by, pick up all the accounts receivable, accounts payable. They'd, you know, stop at five or six businesses, go back to their home, crank out all the work, and then drop it back by the next day. So, I mean, yeah. it's not new right there's nothing new under the sun probably right so that that's kind of the first piece here we just want to remind our listeners that you know if you're being sold something about a solution with regard to hybrid work keep in mind that it you're being sold something right there's there's already been a lot of research on these types of topics um and you know as we've discussed in previous episodes a lot of this comes down to just being a really good leader and manager. And you've got to kind of take those skills to the next level of connecting with people on an interpersonal basis and ensuring that people have a sense that they are cared about and that you value their contributions from afar, right? Now, I want to bring something up there, Ben. Yeah, go ahead. So like, there's this idea of, so let's say you and I work in a small company. You and I co-founded a media company or i don't know something maybe we got 50 to 70 employees Mm -hmm. 
and we did the remote thing and it wasn't that good for us. Or, you know, maybe we're going to decide, hey, the employees say we want to make this remote thing permanently. What would the response be if you said, hey, guys, we'd like to. We know that you'd like it, but look at our productivity was actually lower. Mm -hmm. And maybe some companies could do it. But I don't know how to be a remote manager. Hmm. I I don't know. And and I want to be honest about employees. Do you guys really know the management tasks and skills and abilities that you're going to have to, you know, to do to manage remote work? Because no. a lot of it feels like, you know what, this would just be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, man, I like that jet you just spent 50 bajillion dollars developing for the military. But it'd be way cooler if it had a huge rocket on top. Yeah, but it doesn't work with the aerodynamics and all that. Yeah, but it'd be pretty cool, right? <laughs> a lot of this reeks of that'd be pretty cool, right? It kind of does, right? So uh, that's where I think people are getting kind of caught up in this conversation. And layered on top of this is this other conversation that I think probably deserves its whole episode of its own, which is this idea of the great resignation and you, you see this out there on LinkedIn. You see it probably in you know some of the HR groups and and others, where people are saying everybody's quitting and it's this massive thing. And you know, the data aren't really showing that that's actually happening, or it's actually. I would say that it's 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 hard to show that right now. Um, and I think we'll talk about that probably in the future. But uh, you know, we've just got to take these things with a grain of salt. So I I've got some data on that. And I'll put it in the show notes on the resignation. Oh, well, will you? Oh. Yeah. A lot of people are just <laughs> retiring. Right? The stock market has been going nuts for forever. Yeah, and now these has. people are like, you know what? We got furloughed during the, the pandemic. And golfing every day is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> right? Or all of these kinds of things. And, and generally, retirement's more sticky than other kinds of unemployment. Like, so what I'm seeing is there, if there's a lot of data to show that it's not the, we're not gonna take it. No, you know, this, this is not some twisted sister anthem of worker revolt to the chagrin of capitalists trying to keep their businesses together. It's just not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think we've kind of painted the picture of this whole thing of, Hybrid work, right? It is something we have to deal with as managers, something organizations need to be thinking about. But let's move now to talk about what some of these critical considerations are that we think are probably missing from the conversation. And I think this is where we need to have a, a an honest discussion about some of the real benefits and the real drawbacks that come with hybrid or fully remote work uh, at the individual level. And then also for the organization, because managers out there need to think about both. And you as an individual, you need to think about both of these, right, to get a balanced picture. Um, now, it's not as easy as just kind of taking one side of an argument. Uh, it, it never is. But I think let's, it's important for us to kind of look at this in a holistic manner. So let's start with some individual benefits that people can uh, enjoy based upon a hybrid type of work arrangement. And I think the first one is obviously having some some flexibility in your schedule. Like that can be helpful. Yeah, I thought you were going to say you could go months at a time without wearing pants. That's just how you that's how you've rolled with <laughs> that's this how whole I thing. Did. Yeah, that's right. 
And it's like, well, I mean, I don't know if, well, these are stretchy pants. You know, they're like skinny okay. anyway. Okay. <laughs> but so here, here's a bit, a bit of schedule flexibility is awesome. It is, you know, when you have to take a small break at the job, maybe you just go get a, you know, you hit the water cooler and then you walk down a couple flights of stairs and up just to stretch the legs or something. But here you can get some water and you can actually change the laundry from the washer to the dryer, right? <laughs> and you get like all this different part of your life back. Right. And another piece is geographic flexibility. Yeah. I mean, that, that can be really great for a variety of reasons. One of which being, you know, maybe you can live somewhere that's a little bit more comfortable and is cheaper. Uh, you don't have to deal with the commute. And you're still working at an organization that's doing cool stuff and is, you know, a big company and all that. You know, um, I don't have the data right in front of me, but I have recall I recall seeing some news articles talking about how many people, you know, have fled or are fleeing uh, Manhattan. Right. Not wanting to live downtown New York City anymore going out to Jersey or wherever to ha have that flexibility or beyond. Right. If it, if it really doesn't matter. Um, so they can have a larger piece of land. They can have a real home. Um, you know, if you're trying to make it in and actually live anywhere that has a little bit of space in Manhattan, in New York city, um, good luck, right? It's, it, it's, it's a little bit pricey. So I've yeah, you gotta be in that upper tax bracket. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, how much does Ben make? It's not polite <laughs> to talk about, but then just throwing a quick caveat on the geographic flexibility. A lot of people got in trouble with this because they they went somewhere where there was tax implications for their broader organization. Mm. Right. Because, you know, as much as we want to ha -ha, I work remote, I can live anywhere like, man, maybe I mean. The French Riviera is. I hear it's pretty awesome. I've not been there or the countryside in France is pretty. The pictures on the Web look awesome, but there's all these rules about geographic flexibility so it's not a carte blanche geographic flexibility yeah. per se sure but that that is an individual benefit that they can enjoy for this. sure so for we're sure. looking at those benefits um i think there's also some better flexibility for dual earner households you know uh being someone who is married to a full-time employed uh spouse you know that's that's a tricky thing to navigate it's taken us and you're both years. professors yeah it took us how a many while. years did it take it to where you guys were well uh, yeah so we were not working in the same general location um you know for the first five years out of when after i got my phd and you were driving how many hours yeah i would go four hours um and spend you know i spend a couple nights a week uh down um about four hours away so yeah yeah not, not pleasant right so you know, if you have the flexibility to be in the same location, actually live in the same house and be around each other, that's a benefit. Yeah. And then there's the get your life back on the commute. Yeah. <laughs> of course, we saw a drop in downloads when that everybody stopped driving yeah. to work. Right, right it was when like, COVID you guys hit. are listening. Yeah. Right <laughs> when like the first lockdown happened, we saw this like little downturn in, in downloads. You're like, oh, yeah, people stop. Somebody's got to have back. that data back. like Apple yeah. podcast should be like, wow, podcast listenership's down 20 percent or something. I, I bet that that happened. It was probably not just us. Uh, but fortunately, we, I think we've recovered, which is good. So those are some individual benefits to the having a more flexible work arrangement. Um, but let's talk about some downsides. We must stress the downsides because I think there are some when you're fully remote. 
all the time. And, you know, one of them is just like, what does this look like in terms of your personal and professional development? Um, It's hard for me to imagine the level of personal and professional development that I enjoyed in the early parts of my career in graduate school. It is very hard for me to imagine that occurring at the same level that it did if I had not been in person around all the people who I was around having the chance encounters that I had all the time. Um, it's, it's simply hard to imagine. Yeah. I'm, and another thing, Ben, look at the count of the benefits versus the downsides. <laughs> yeah. There's almost we, twice we, the we, amount of downsides. We came at up, least, we, yeah. We came up with a, a lot more downsides actually. Right. To, to this idea, not that you can't have some of it. It's not all or none. You may be two days a week you're at home or something, but being out of sight, you could be out of mind. Mm-hmm. And I saw this earlier in my career with people who would take a posting and like some of these IT jobs over in India or something, setting up a call center or whatever it was. And they get marooned there. Mm. And it's like, guys, you said it was three years. I'm back. And that I get to go to a higher role. Oh yeah. About that. Um, you could stay on for another three years or we'll just let you go. Yeah. Yeah. Not so good. Right. Right. So I think this is particularly problematic if you have, you know, maybe a a lot of the people still in person, and then you're like the odd person out who is uh, working remotely. Um, If you're not really intentional, you could be forgotten in some ways. I think there's also just this increasing reliance on asynchronous communication. So reliance on email, right? Instead of, hey, you know, yelling across the hall, hey, Chris, right? (laughs) What do you think about this? Or when can we meet to do this? you know, sending an email, waiting for a response. There's just a lot more of that that I think is, is um, it's annoying. And I think it slows things down sometimes. Yeah. And if you think it's, you know, oh, back when you were all in the office, you know, paying attention to your phone, you know, your spouse is like, hey, leave your smartphone off during dinner time. But when it's asynchronous communication, you know, if you miss a schedule, or a, an invite or something, there may be three or five other people waiting a whole hour on you to get back to them, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of that. Um, I think another potential downside to having a fully remote or mostly hybrid type of scenario is that, you know, it, it can kind of reduce your network that you have. Um, you know, it's harder to get to know people Uh, in certain ways. Now, it's not impossible. You can develop some good connections working remotely. I have done it. I think I am decent at doing it, but it can be a little bit tougher. Uh, So you got to keep that in mind. You don't just run into people. Right. right? You don't have those chance encounters. You're like, oh, whoops, I I came into the wrong Slack room. Hey, guys, what's going on? Who are you? Do you work in accounting? Brenda, you're looking attractive today. You know, you can't. How are you going to date somebody at work and do all the like philandering that we tell you not to do. You won't oh my gosh. For, for you naughty guys out there, right? Or whatever. <laughs> anyway, like the, the networking thing's if that, a big if deal. That's, if, that's, if that's your reason for being in person at work, then you can stay home. Yeah, yeah. and check out our episode. This is all <laughs> set up for this. Check out our episode, Love in an Elevator, about relationships <laughs> at work. We'll beg yeah. you not to do it. So that's maybe a plus side. Maybe that's a benefit. Is people won't be shacking up at the office uh, and ruining their careers. But you're not going to be meeting the people, right? Because we're not many people stay in the same job all the time right. for a bunch of years. And so that means you, if you do an awesome job and, and people are like, 
man, Ben is he, what a great person to work with. I wish I could work with Ben more in the future. And they go to a growing company that has more opportunity. Well, then they're like, well, Ben, you want to come over here? They're looking for this. You'll make 20% more. Those opportunities are decreased because everything becomes super, super transactional. Now, you may really like somebody or have an affinity, but anybody that's done the online thing, this is a common refrain I hear from my friends in the dating world. Man, we just hit it off and we loved it. And then we met in person. It was a total drag. So imagine hitting it off virtually working with somebody and then you meet them at a company that requires you to be in person and it's a total drag. Womp, womp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other piece here is that, you know, you as an individual can become fungible. Fungible. What's that mean? Okay, so first oh, of all, Chris said I have to mute myself before I make an ice sound, which I think is actually <laughs> right. not something I'm going to do. We're going to we're doing it live. <laughs> <laughs> the ice sounds are staying in. I'm sitting here oh, right ice. minute 18. No, that was on purpose because I I think yeah. it's a good sound. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so you become fungible. What does that mean? That I mean, you just become just as good as any other person. Right. Right? You're, so like let's say if Let's be honest. A lot of project managers have a similar level of skill. But the thing that really makes you unique is your individual brand. Now, you can do these like, oh, what are you going to use? Like the how to Facebook brand yourself, how to, you know, have an executive presence through video. And I've seen some of those classes pop up where it's like, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do? How to do power poses remotely. Um, <laughs> it, the All these things about your brand and the stuff that makes you unique. That's the thing. I, I, this is true, Ben. I'm not going to even say I believe it. This is true. Everybody has something unique that they can offer to the world. And when we make it, hey, I just need somebody that does this from you know 12 to 2, and it's video, and it's remote, and all that kind of stuff. It, if you thought management treated individuals like garbage before, wait until they're swappable and they can just pick up anybody from anywhere to plug in. Right. Well, that's, that's part of this, right? So part of this, you know, you becoming a little bit of a commodity, if not a lot of a commodity in this more hybrid type of uh, environment is that, you know, if companies are hiring people that work remotely, then guess what? You might be competing against a much larger candidate pool. And that means they can hire people wherever. And you're, Unique value is not driven by the fact that you are located at the same place as the organization. Therefore, you, you know, might be on uh, on the route to getting uh, replaced. Um, you know, another piece here, we've talked about this already a little bit, but you, you might be missing out on some of those critical conversations and connections that you can have uh, from those chance encounters. But another piece that I think is really important, and this is a bit of a downside for uh, individuals, if you're working totally remotely, um, is that it becomes psychologically even harder to separate your work and your non-work life. Uh, I have experienced this. I mean, you know me. I, I, I'm I not good at not Man, working. Listen, you got to actually have a life <laughs> before Shut you up. can have a separation. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's one thing that's like, like just being like, this has been an area of growth for you in the last while. Like you've actually been carving out more time for Ben. And I, and I feel like I'm seeing more cool parts about your personality in person 
And there's so many cool stuff about you. But I'm finding like non-work related stuff. Like it's been really cool, man. But you got to be more intentional. Well, thank you. But you've (laughs) got to be more intentional about it, right? Um, Especially if you're doing the type of work that you can just keep doing, right? Um, Now, like my brother, he's an anesthesiologist. He can't work remotely. They haven't figured that one out yet. (laughs) So when he's home... He's Was he going to send a dart right? gun on an Amazon drone? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, man, I gave him 200 cc's remote and he got his FedEx at the same time. <laughs> Amazon Prime and anesthesia uh, delivered remotely. <laughs> so, um, but the point is, is that, you know, when you can't, when you have the option to not turn it off, you know, it could be... Um, Tempting to not do so. And I've even heard people recommend, hey, like, you know, maybe you put on a certain set of clothes for while you're working at home and then you actually change at the end of the day. And that actually, I think, is a nice way to kind of mark a differentiation between parts of your day if you're stuck in the same house. So anyway, uh, those I would put on my work clothes back. This was before you and me started Indigo Anchor, a consulting firm. And I had my work, I would put on work clothes because I was like, man, I can devolve into such a slouch so quickly. And, <laughs> and that's, what's, that's what's happened. And that's what's happened. <laughs> you know, during the pandemic, it's like, let's have three beers and make a German sourdough at 9 a.m. Why not? Right. So it's like, I need work too. But I would put on, I'd put on my khaki pants and stuff and a dress. I'd dress business casual and I'd commute. I'd go down into the basement. And then that was a place to where my wife and I could have some like psychological distance of like, hey, now I'm at my place of work and right. I do my work. I do my stuff and then I'd wrap and then I commute up and change into, you know, whatever I'm going to cook in or wrangle the kids with. And and that actually gave me a sense of structure that I I enjoyed, right. actually. No, I think, I think it's a good tip. So we've talked about some benefits and some downsides of a hybrid work environment for individuals. Now let's do the same for the organization. So some benefits to the organization for hybrid work. And I think, you know, one of them is a possible productivity gain. Um, There's been some talk about this, some studies, quote unquote, that have looked at this. I think it's really hard to measure, honestly, um, because much of the work that is amenable to hybrid work is knowledge work. And it's this work that's just harder inherently to measure in terms of productivity. Um, the so, studies I've seen on this, Ben, now it's been a while since I looked. So, you know, sure. feel free to listeners, feel free to throw stones like you no. do. And it's or, or, fine. Or, or just send us, you know, other references. Yeah. But, you know, I remember, I think it was a municipality or something or some government agency that was going to send people home. And so they came in and they did, they, they set up like measurements of productivity before. And then they, they, you know, after they went home, productivity shot through the roof. And of course, then all the pop, you know, business, entrepreneur, Forbes, all those people picked up on it. See, we told you working at home was better. But later, some years later, because most people said, look, we did this thing. It was made more productive. Everybody's happy. Mission accomplished. And then they left it. But there was a couple places where they actually went back and all those productivity gains 
were actually gone and they were less productive than they were when they were back in the office. Yeah. So sometimes, so sometimes, sometimes yeah. it's just, sometimes it's just having a big change can make people more productive. Right. And, and so, um, yeah, that's part of this as well. So I guess as a benefit to benefit to the organization, maybe on the productivity gain front, but here's a benefit that I think is fairly easy to substantiate. And that's that guess what? Now you can hire from anywhere, right? You have yeah, a if you much live in Opelika, better, Alabama, yeah, and you yeah. need a 18-year Silicon Valley trained .NET developer. Yeah. Well, those guys don't live. There's maybe two. I don't know. Maybe, and Opelika is a pretty cool place. Let me just say that. But you can now recruit top talent from Silicon Valley if you can if you can write the check for their salary. Right. You, and that's actually a positive because that allows innovation. It allows, hey, let's learn some techniques from some competitors or maybe have a bigger hiring pool. All that kind of stuff can yeah. be awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, not that we are hired in an employee sense, but in terms of our consulting work, we've done, you know, a fair amount of remote work in the past, you know, year and a half. And um, it's allowed us to charge less because it, we don't they don't have to pay for travel, right? Our fees are still there, but they don't have to pay for the travel, which is oftentimes can be significant. So uh, that's a benefit to an organization. You have a larger candidate pool. Uh, so if you live or if you, if your organization is located somewhere where it's just kind of tough to get talent to move there, well, it's taken that barrier off the table um, that you can now allow that remote work. Um, the, the Be last... wary, talk to your accountants, all that stuff. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Don't just do it willy nilly. Sure, sure, of course. Um, you know, another benefit, I think, to the organization, kind of an obvious one, is if you're having everybody work remotely, well, you probably don't have to pay as much in terms of real estate. You know, you can downsize your footprint in the office. Um, you might be able to save on some utilities, those types of things. So those those costs can go down, which is, you know, generally a good thing. Right. And now on the downsides for organizations, well, maybe your real estate and utilities go down but your IT spend and infrastructure and support mm. might go up. So it might mm. not be like, oh, look, we saved all this money, but we just gave it all to the IT department because we got to do these things. Be super careful about how you do the business case on, should we move to something like this? Right, right. You know, another piece that I think about just from a, um, a psychological standpoint, from a behavioral standpoint, is we we don't really know uh, what all this is doing to creativity, to innovation, to culture, uh, aside from knowing that it probably is doing something, right? I think the jury is still out on this. I think it's hard to study. It's hard to measure right now. Um, I think maybe as we move through this, and depending on what the future may hold, we may have some great studies that come out that help us sort this out. But it's a little bit of, it's a little up in the air, right? Um, there could be a downside to you know, the, the bonds that we're creating with each other, um, because we're not in the same place. You know, I, 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 I have some sympathy for the argument of, you know, there's a lot that you can do when you're all in the same space that you can't do as well remotely. Right. I think having really good conversations, um, you know, just the way in which we interpret, for example, uh, body language, you know, uh, some of the, studies of things like Zoom fatigue, right? The the tiredness and fatigue that can happen from being on a Zoom call day is, 
is also from the fact that we're also looking at images of ourselves and we're doing so much self-monitoring and we're trying really hard to decipher other people's facial expressions and so forth that it can just be rather cognitively demanding. And we're not, we haven't really evolved to do it that way. Um, we're just better at it when we're in person. So yeah, I think there's there's some hesitation that I would give there to say, look, you know, we also want to make sure that creativity stays there. Maybe there's some opportunities to have those people who, you know, if you have something that you want people to really be creative and, and you want some sort of innovation team to still do what they need to do, maybe those people should, you know, have a, a way to get together in person. But uh, I think that that's something that organizations need to consider as a potential downside. You know, a, a good example of this, then, like, at, and some people know this, like, in a former life, I was a professional musician out of Nashville. And Nashville used to be super cheap to live in. And so the musicians like were close and, it you know, you you could chase beer specials, dollar beers all over the place. And there was a big creativity, innovation culture that was set up just based on proximity. Mm. But once it started gentrifying and musicians couldn't afford the rent or maybe they owned a house and they're getting close to retirement age and like, hey, I can finally retire. I'm going to sell my house for a bajillion dollars and move out to the county. Well, now all that mentorship and pulling up the next generation of guitarists and bass players and singers and producers, well, it got fragmented all over the place. And there's just something about, you know, you're you're just there. Maybe you're a junior employee. You just came out of high school or college and you're working and you look over at Filson and you're like, man, Filson's talented. And then you practice in your craft. And then one day, you get inspired by something you saw Filson do. Mm -hmm. And you do something totally new. Well, mm. if you're working siloed in some closet or back bedroom at your house or your apartment, where's it's that gonna inspiration going to happen? Right. You're going to have to Google it, which means the algorithms are going to decide what you get to get inspired by. Mm. And I, that sounds really like bogey town to me. <laughs> yeah, doesn't sound too great to me either. You know, I think we, this is something you mentioned earlier as well um, in terms of the individual aspect of this. But there is that increasing reliance on asynchronous communication that comes in as a downside here as well. Uh, you may have, as we've alluded to earlier, that split in culture where you know maybe some people do have to come in, those people who are maybe doing something physically in a factory, for example, but you know, the, the accounting folks can work from anywhere and that creates that divide and kind of makes that rift even more apparent. And then there's this, this piece of, of turnover. And I, I think it is a little too early to tell, you know, what the implications of hybrid work really have for people quitting. Um, but here's the thing that we do know. One reason why people don't quit their jobs is when they are very embedded in that organization and in that community, right? So you know me pretty well, Chris. You know my situation. Like You're never leaving Hudson. <laughs> no matter how much no. I want to like kidnap you and bring uh, like, you to Park City uh, to ski with me all <laughs> winter long, you are embedded. And listen, guys, I yeah. got to tell you, this is a plug for Hudson. <laughs> Having gone there many, many times and getting to know the community there. And and Ben has like the best church community too at this awesome, what is it? St. Mary's, mm -hmm. St. Mary's Catholic Church, amazing priest, amazing community, the, the police department, everybody there is like, I don't know if it's real. Like, do I enter some kind of like, <laughs> it's, it's like the rift show. And then <laughs> I'm like in an alien planet where it's, 
Yeah. So like you're you're there. You're tied right. there. And if well, something were to happen to your job, let's say Cleveland State ceases to exist magically, you're gonna find something there. Right, right. Yeah. So job embeddedness is like, okay, so I I I work here. Um another aspect of it is my wife has a great job nearby, right? So she's a professor at Kent State University. Her, she has family members who live in the area. My parents don't live too far away. Um, they're about two hours, so you know a little bit farther. But uh, you know, I, I belong to various social organizations here, religious organizations. All of those things make you embedded in the community, and quite frankly, also make you less likely to leave your job to move somewhere else. Well, <laughs> here's a downside for the organization: if you have everybody working remotely. They don't have that community to be embedded in, so they become a little bit more of a flight risk, right? Yeah, uh, you can find people easier, so can and they, they can, can yep. find, and your competitors <laughs> can find your people easier, right? So <laughs> they can also find, you know, if I could work remotely anywhere, well, then you know, it's just kind of I'll work wherever you know the highest bidder, and um, that's something that I think organizations need to keep in mind here as well. We got to tag that. Hudson Chamber of Commerce or something on this episode. <laughs> well, I don't even live in Hudson and it's a magic place. <laughs> so we've talked about this, you know, unfolding landscape of uh, hybrid work and, the, and what we think are some missing pieces from that conversation in terms of both the benefits and the downsides to hybrid work for individuals and for organizations. Let's move on now. And talk about some implications, some implications for people, some implications for leaders and organizations as we see them now, right? Our thinking may evolve as the research catches up, as we learn more about the implications of hybrid work. Um, but let's start with the individuals, the people piece of this, and some implications for them. Yeah. So everybody wants to be involved in strategy. Oh, I'm just an individual contributor. I wish I could be at the C-suite and doing massive strategy. Well, guess what? You get to be the C-suite for your own life. And I, I, one of the frustrating things with people like coach that just comes up all the time, it's like, hey man, let's, let's be strategic. Let's, you are the CEO of your life. Mm. And in that space, you need to be strategic about what you do. Don't be focused on the shiny object or the short-term fulfillment. Listen, I'm going to work from Cancun for a year, and that's awesome. That, that might be okay. But you need to find a fit that works for you. And this is key. One that respects your needs now, what you need to do for your family, for your life, for your goals, what you want to be, right? With your CEO strategy cap on. And your employment needs in the future. So if you take this role and get marooned and you're like, man, if this company goes bankrupt, bankrupt here in the next you know, couple of years or in the next five years, I won't have any skills that'll make me employable. I have to sell all this you know, custom house I built on the beach in Cancun or whatever, and then move somewhere, right? That would be so short-sighted. So yeah. think about the now and the not yet of your life and make sure that whether you're remote, you're hybrid, or all that kind of stuff, that your work situation fits where you're trying to go. So absolutely, we use this thing in HR called the employment life cycle, right? You come out of high school, college, or maybe you work in high school some, you know, you enter the workforce, you go through your life, and at some point, you're not going to be able to work anymore. Like the day you drop dead, or at some point you retire, right? 
And so if you view that whole life cycle, you need to think about what's appropriate and what's strategically healthy and good for both your individual needs and where you're trying to go. Another piece of this is that if you are hybrid, a hybrid worker, uh, fully remote, perhaps, you need to be extra attentive to being present, to making your presence known, connecting with your team and your stakeholders around you. Uh, It's a different game when you're not in person because it's a little bit easier to forget you if you're not in the in person. Right. So, um, you know, that's where you need to be better with responding to emails. You need to have, you know, your whatever your digital platform is that you're if you're using Microsoft Teams or you having Zoom sessions or whatever, that you are fully present and that people realize that you're out there and you're being more proactive in making and maintaining those connections uh, so that you uh, so you don't lose them over time. So those are some implications for people, I think, right now that, that we can probably fairly safely say um, are things you should be thinking about. Let's move on to maybe thinking about leaders, thinking about managers here. And I think the first one is, you know, you've got to be uh, prepared to adjust based upon what the organization needs. And this is something that's, you know, driven by strategy. If so, there's something going on in the external environment for an organization, that should dictate how the organization is responding. And you as a leader shouldn't get stuck in one way of thinking about, um, you know, your the where your people are working, um, what kinds of things you're doing. You need to remain agile in that way. Yeah. Even if it's the dumbest decision ever, you know, if you're stuck in middle management, VP, director, you know, something like that, um, senior manager, right? You're like, you need to be thinking about this stuff. And if they say we're going fully remote, you're like, Roger that. That's a great idea. Even if in your heart of hearts, you know, this is bad. (laughs) This is gosh, this is stupid. So you need to be prepared to move with those movements. There's going to be a variety of responses to this kind of trend discussion, you know, business environment effects, and just be ready to go either way. And one of the cool ways you can do that is go ahead proactively. It does, Don't wait. If you get the email from up top, hey, we're thinking about this. You're too late. You're late to the game. Be that front runner, forward charger, and do some analysis ahead of time of either or. Hey, so if your boss says, look, we're going to go remote. Hey, no problem. This is what it looks like. This is the impact to how we work and the budget that we're going to need to do it. Right? It's also okay as a leader to run some experiments, to try things, and to try things on a temporary basis. So you may not know what the right way to go is, for example, with a remote work policy for you know letting there be a more of a hybrid type of environment in your organization. But what you can do is say, okay, here's what we're going to try, and we're going to try this for the next quarter or whatever the right um, you know period of time is, and establish some metrics and say, here's what we're going to do. We're going to try this. We're going to look at these different metrics, and we're going to see what makes sense then after we're done with that time period. Um, because that's how you can kind of learn as an organization. Uh, you know, just because it's something that was on the front page of a of a business magazine or was something that was in a, a book that you happen to pick up at the uh, airport bookstore doesn't mean that it's a you know something that can apply necessarily to your organization. It's important to remember that context really does matter, 
and that it's okay to experiment. Yeah, you got to get rid of this all or nothing thinking. It's not black or white. And every context is different. People are different. Be flexible and run experiments. You know, I, I feel like, you know, when we look at our political dialogue, it's all or nothing because that's how what it takes to get something over the finish line. Don't be the organization that is so calcified, polarized, whatever, all the stuff that you don't like in Washington, maybe don't do that at your org, right? Be flexible and be like, hey, I think we're going to try this policy. And if it doesn't work, it's fine. We'll just go back to the old policy. Maybe we'll try something else. Be flexible. Be learning. If you demonstrate that as a leader, the learning, experimenting, you're going to get all that stuff that you want out of your employees anyway. The creativity, the risk-taking, the innovation, the new products, all that kind of stuff. It, it's all part of it. Right. So let's move now to talk about a little bit about some implications for organizations. And I think one of them is be careful with the trends that you see out there. Uh, don't just do things because it seems like everybody else is doing it. As you mentioned, one size might not fit all, right? So um, I think you can take this another step further and say, if you have a large organization, you might not be able to say that this is our organization policy that applies regardless of where you are, right? You might not be able to be super detailed with that organizational policy. It might make sense for you to have maybe some left and right boundaries, some guidelines that you put out there at the organizational level, but then allow for some decentralized decision-making. Allow for some of your subunits, some of your loca different locations, um, different departments. Let them decide at a local level because guess what? They probably have a better idea of what the actual work looks like and what their employees want and how they operate. And so I think allowing some of that is a good idea. So allow there to be some flexibility there. You know, if, if you've promoted people and into positions of leadership, well, you know, let them lead a little. And I think you can do that by being a little bit more decentralized. Yeah. And it's, it's challenging. It's nuanced. It's a messy bowl of spaghetti, all those things. And I think the more that organizations get comfortable with that messy bowl of spaghetti, the more they can sense and respond better. And, and here's the thing that cuts through all this noise, right? Should I do this? What should I do? Maybe I, I feel compelled to act. Am I losing in the talent space? HR is telling me one thing, all this kind of stuff. The one through line that's always true, no matter what the environment, anytime, anywhere, and I think you'll agree with me, is talent is attracted to opportunities. Not only opportunities, but brand and having a quality culture. So no matter what you do for work at home, come back and y'all get back in the office. No, no, like, yeah, like no matter what that conversation or how that plays out in your environment, if you are focused on quality culture, people are like, yeah, man, I know I got to go in, but it's really cool when I go in. Right. Right. And if you have a good brand that's full of ethics, <laughs> all the ethical actions, and you train your managers and your executives in that way, and you have a quality brand, listen, you know, working for XYZ company versus working for a known quantity that's awesome, brand, quality culture, and amazing opportunities are always going to win. No matter what you have to do, no matter what challenging conversation or decisions you have to make, 
in regard to these new works. And if you're an executive struggling with these types of uh, you know ideas and trying to figure out what your organization should do, keep in mind that your competitors are also going through these same challenges, right? So it's okay to, <laughs> to not necessarily have the perfect answer at the moment. Uh, one thing I do want to mention before we wrap up is that some of what we've talked about here today, we've uh, we have some good references that we'll put in the show notes. One of them is the Making Hybrid Work Human, which is a uh, uh, a program of research that's being conducted by Economist Impact and is sponsored by Google Workplace. So we'll put a link to that. Some interesting ideas there. Um, and you know, today what we've talked about, I think, is provided a little bit more of a balanced view of this idea of hybrid work. Um, it's not an all or nothing thing. Right. And if, as an exec, if you want to like shake things up and really be a thought leader, not just put thought leader on your LinkedIn description, imagine everybody's talking hybrid work, stay at home. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? It's like, stop. All right. First, before we do this, what are we doing to make sure our culture is awesome? What are we doing to make sure that the opportunities here are banging? And what are we making sure that our brand and our brand voice in the environment is excellent? Watch everybody stop what they're doing. First, it'll make them pause because they're running around like chickens with their heads cut off, right? And focus on those things that are really mattering. If you get those things first or parallel to these efforts of what to do, I think you'll probably be ahead of a lot of your competitors. Thanks for listening to the Indigo Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider helping us by rating us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, telling your friends about us, having us on your podcast, or mentioning us on social media. Our website is www.indigopodcast.com, where you can access more information about us and this episode. Thanks again, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.